Hello and welcome to the newly christened Half Court and Mid Range podcast. I'm here with Ray. What's up, y'all? And this is Court, uh, and we'll be delving into some NBA topics here right as soon as we first address some of our listener comments for uh, possible name suggestions. Yes. Um, the first one that we got, well, I don't know if it's sequentially first, but one that we got from Joel, submitted via comment to Lofa Hijinks, uh, was from Joel, and he suggested the Chase Utley threesome. What do you think about that, Court? Uh, you can see from the content of last week's podcast how someone would come up with that. I'm not sure what the rights are on using Chase Utley's name. Um, you probably might know that a little better. Mm, yeah. He was in that Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode, though, right? Chase Utley was? Yes. Yeah. And can you just prevent someone from using your name? Because that could just be like, you know, we could have a dog named Chase Utley and then we can name the podcast after our dog. Yeah. Not with that name, though. Not with that name? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and if actually, we just want to take a moment to apologize. Uh, Chase Utley is not able to join us today for the podcast. Yeah, um, he promised he was going to, but I think they have a game tonight or something. He's probably playing baseball tonight. Yeah, he has to play baseball tonight. Yeah. But uh, he said he was going to come next week, so that'll be great. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, let's see. The other suggestion we had was from Ben Foster, uh, which was RC Cola, which is a pretty good one. Um, uses both of our first initials. Yeah. Uh, it references a drink that wins in blind test, taste tests versus Pepsi and Coke a lot. Among colas, I would say it's on the hipper end of colas. Is that fair to say? Definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, there's some economic lesson with RC Cola, too, but I forgot it. Yeah. I think we'd have more copyright issues with that. More with RC like Cola. A company, I guess we would just be advertising for them to our wide audience maybe we can get a sponsorship from rc cola um, okay. once we get a big enough audience all right so we'll so hold on on that one yeah so keep listening everybody and then we'll be sponsored soon enough then we'll uh, make you buy things all right great uh well so we ended up going with half court and mid-range which was suggested by uh chase utley uh himself when we were talking to him about possibly appearing this week thank you chase uh, let's dive right into it here, Ray. Uh, we have a couple of topics. It's a it's kind of a slow time right now for NBA news. A um, couple of signings since we last spoke. A uh, big one here, a, a big one, you know, almost literally, a really large guy, Sim Bular, um, was signed by the Kings. Uh, what do you think, To maybe you can give a little background on him and uh, what you think his chances of actually making the roster for the Kings versus playing in the D-League are? So, Sim Buller is 7 foot 5 and 360 pounds. Uh, and even for NBA standards, that's really big. Um, he was pretty effective in college, 
He just came out of college last year, um, and he signed this contract. Um, it's big news because, according according to the interwebs, this is the first contract NBA contract signed by an Indian player, um, which, yeah, is just pretty exciting. To be clear, player of Indian descent, because I think he is actually Canadian. Um, he was born, I think I looked this up, he was born in Toronto, but yeah. his parents are Indian. I was hoping you didn't know that I was going to ask you that as a trivia question, because I just read that on the ESPN article, uh, but you already knew it, because you probably just read it on the ESPN article too. No, I actually knew that from when he was in college. Okay. Uh, I was a big fan of betting on New Mexico State uh, to at least win one game in the tournament these past two years. Um, and was usually like always really like excited to try to see their game. And these past two times, like, uh, I've been with my friend Taylor and we've been like having dinner or something. And those games, like I've only caught flashes of it, um, as we walked past one of the many TVs that are showing them. But, uh, the thing, yeah, I, re I remember seeing him on the court for not very much time as we like stopped to watch the game. Uh, mostly what I was seeing when he was out there was him fouling out mm. um, and me being disappointed that I didn't actually get to see him like do much of anything. He also kind of like stuck to one end of the court or the other. Mm. Like if he was already on offense, then he would stay there. QB. He, yeah. And if he was already on defense, he mostly stuck back on defense. And like if the team was running, he wouldn't run unless it was like clear they were going to go into the half court or something. Because, you know, if by the time he got, like, halfway down the court, someone would already have taken a layup in transition, and then he's just in the middle of nowhere. Um, I don't know how much – do you have his weight on there? I know he's 7'5". He's also, like – he's not, like, a skinny 7'5". Yeah, I think he's about 360 pounds. Yeah, so that's just a lot of work to move that amount of pounds across the court. You can see why. And, you know, if you're really tall like that, you got to take care of your joints and stuff. So. Yeah. And he was really ineffective in summer league, which is not a good sign. It's a lot of very talented players, but not a lot of proven NBA players playing. And he was not really able to make much of an impact. But I guess they just signed him with the hopes of him bringing it together. Possibly there's talks of him losing weight and becoming a little bit more mobile. Um, but just reflecting on it, I thought it was kind of it's kind of crazy to think that. I guess no player of Indian descent has ever signed an NBA contract because there's like a billion people in India and then there's also a lot of uh, people of Indian descent in the United States where we play basketball all the time. So just kind of, that's just kind of a little, it's a little surprising, huh? Yeah, you'd think that just more people, you know, just like a lot of people that play basketball. Um, yeah. I know in the country of India itself, like cricket is like super popular, so everybody wants to play that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even then, it's just so many people that there's got to be some people playing basketball and maybe, yeah. you know. Especially the ones that are over seven feet tall. It seems like we do a pretty good, or it seems like NBA teams do a pretty good job of finding really tall, athletic people in all parts of the world and then ultimately getting them to some kind of camp or training or whatever and playing the European leagues and then work their way over. Yeah. So, well, it, you know, I don't know something about statistical outliers and whatnot there. Malcolm Gladwell. Um, so what was he going to say? He, uh, 
he didn't do that well in the summer league so far. I mean, I've always heard, you know, with the summer league, if you do well in it, that doesn't mean you're guaranteed to do okay in the NBA. But if you don't do well in it, then that kind of, you have to kind of do well in the summer league before you can really, there aren't a lot of guys that don't do well in the summer league and then are somehow like pretty effective NBA players in one way or the other. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, so yeah, all this talk is symbolic, and I think probably the most likely outcome is that he never plays a meaningful minute in the NBA, if he even plays a single minute in the NBA. Could but you see some s- some kind of uh, situational like use for him? Like you have him at the end of the bench, and then like say you're up by one or two, and you just need someone to take up the entire lane with a couple seconds left. Would that make sense, or would he just be, you know, would it not really be worth it? I think on the right, so there's an expression in the NBA or basketball where you just refer to a player by the number of fouls that they can give out. So, you know, Joel Sherman is six fouls uh, to a team. And I think on the right team that wanted to reserve a bench spot for him that could just come in and play defense, something like, in the half court set when the team knew it was going to be it's on defense he could more or less like just stand in the lane get in people's way and then if necessary like foul so i think in a weird way he could add value as that i think most player most teams don't have the luxury of keeping a player who's like so limited um that they can't contribute in other ways but i think that's i feel like that's a possibility and maybe he does slim down and gets a little bit more like mobile where he can play like backup center for 10 minutes a night yeah it seemed like in college he had flashes of offense as well Mm -hmm. um he wasn't he he wasn't just dunking it all the time he was shooting some too so yeah um yeah i think he has the potential with that skill set um so good for him congrats on his signing to him uh and best of luck trying to actually get the uh making the the big time roster We'll probably see some of him in the D League, uh, possibly even in person. Mm. Um, never caught him at New Mexico State, but uh, Las Cruces is a pretty <laughs> nondescript town. <laughs> Indeed. Um, let's see. Uh, you want to move on here and talk about more Cavaliers signings? More Cavaliers, yes. So uh, one of the biggest free agents that's left that's likely to switch teams is Sean Marion also known as the Matrix I don't know if he actually gets to still use that anymore I don't know if he's good enough for that but um, he decided to sign with the Cavaliers um, which is probably a really good signing for them Um, he will probably play small forward or power forward and guard a lot of the people that LeBron has to guard. And so it'll just be a big help, um, especially because it looks like they're getting rid of Wiggins. So that's a pretty big uh, a pretty big move. Did they want to secure someone with the like weirdest looking shot possible? Was Do you kind of need someone who has a weird shot to win a championship? Or is that just a myth? I think... I think this might be a new theory. I think you need to put a name on this theory, Court. The sh- it has to be named after Sean Marion. Because I, I feel like he could shoot 10% better. Like, or he would shoot, you know, like if he's shooting, I don't know what he shoots now, like 35%, something like that from three. 
That sounds about right. I don't know. That Probably might be lower totally than that. 35% than... is kind of okay. Yeah. But if he shot, like, if he had, like, gone back in time and, like, had a coach with, who was like, all right, I'm going to take this short term making you worse at shooting than uh, playing for the long game. And, and, you know, in the long term, you're going to be a better shooter. He might be, like, you know, really good. Because I, I feel like his uh mechanics are really consistent like he's got the consistency down he just has this really strange release that he's just had for his whole career since he was in high school yeah yeah and i think you're probably right i think it is funny that a player like reggie miller had a pretty unconventional shot and probably what a lot of people would refer to as objectively bad form but he was pretty good at it but i do think that most for the most part yeah you're right. And when they talk about young players, they they talk about projecting them as shooters, even if they're bad shooters. And a lot of them that have like a good motion um, and they have like pieces of the form. Right. Uh, the scouts will like talk about them being projectable as like a good shooter. And so I would think that just having that solid form just in itself makes you a better shooter. Do you think that he's going to take any lessons from Joe Harris while he's on the team about jump shooting form i think he could i think he could probably learn a lot from joe harris you know because i think joe harris has a pretty nice uh you know form coming off that screen and then setting and then going straight up with the jump shot he does he does i mean they're gonna be they're gonna be going at it for playing time right yeah to be fair though there's probably less um plays where it's gonna be like you know joe harris runs through three screens to get a three versus like Sean Marion kind of just sits there in the corner and then LeBron will drive in, dish it out to him, and he shoots that funky-looking three. Yeah. Um, so that seems like it fits well, you know. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. And Marion will just have a much better go at defending NBA players. Definitely. That's probably a big part of it. Yeah, no, def I mean, if you, if you can make the set shot there and you can defend well a good role player to have so yeah uh so where would you rank sean marion signing on cavaliers top free agent signings of all time um i don't know exactly where i would rank it i know that brian winhorst uh who's followed the basically he basically has followed lebron james for the last like 10 years or so um does, like does he have a restraining order on him yet or what I honestly, I'd be really interested to understand th their relationship, but he was, he followed, he was like a reporter in Cleveland and then ESPN hired him when LeBron signed in Miami and he just like went to Miami and covered the heat. He wrote that they had a, th a thing called the heat index and he wrote that. And so I would be really interested to understand the dynamics of their relationships. But as far as I know, they do not have, a re there's no restraining order in place. Because if somebody was following me for, 10 years that'd be that'd be a lot of years to get followed yeah i'd kind of be like I, I need a little alone time now set some boundaries maybe that's why you moved to new orleans because i was getting followed yeah uh, and i don't think anyone was following me okay. it's easy in new york you to if someone's following you, you can kind of do that um what's the movie where they're on the subway and he like steps on steps off and through the door french, french connection i think it's french connection i'm gonna trust you yeah, any some one of our listeners is gonna understand that reference, but he's like getting followed by this guy. I don't know. He's like a secret agent or something, and 
he like is like halfway in between the subway car door and like the guy who's following him is like watching him and he like watches him and like right before the doors close he like doesn't step onto the train and then the guy who's following him gets stuck on the train and has to i think go all the way to coney island i think you might be thinking of the movie the warriors uh there's the one scene where they're they're under a subway stop and i think like a a bus they're hiding they're trying to get back to Coney Island and uh, like a bus rolls by and I think it's like a skinhead gang that has like clubs and stuff that's trying to get the warriors and the warriors run up and they bust through and they like run like a million miles around the subway station and they get away. Most of them do, not all of them. No, one guy gets run over by the subway, but oh, that's yes. why they're in. The <laughs> it's, a, by the subway. it's pretty dramatic. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry but that's that. not that scene. No, that's <laughs> when they're like being like the mole people, and they're like in the, between the stations. This is more like um. This is like uh, I don't know how to. There's a car chase that's really famous in this movie too. I think oh, it's the French connection. Oh, are you thinking connection. of a Italian job? No, okay. not the IJ. No, not that. Um, well, wait, what were we talking about? We were talking about Sean Marion. Yeah, so that was good. And anyway, we were about to make a joke. Brian Windhorst, in his one of his columns, said that Mike signing Mike Miller and Sean Marion were like two of the six or seven best Cavaliers free agent signings ever. And while that might be true, it just kind of sounds, it sounds kind of absurd because they're kind of not that good. But I mean, the LeBron James one was probably number one. It's probably number one. But then mm. it's you could we could actually I guess Wally Serbiak. I guess, I guess when LeBron James went to Miami, he was traded technically. But if that counted as a free agent signing, you'll probably argue that the two times LeBron James signed a free agent contract were the two best free agent signings ever. Mm. Was it's it a bold a, it's yeah. a bold statement, but I think I might be willing to make it. Right. What about the time when the Wizards signed Michael Jordan? That was not as good because Michael Jordan was not that good. You didn't. You, so you're saying that Michael Jordan wasn't that good? I wish you had said, "What about the time the Wizards signed Marcin Gortat?" What about the time the Wizards signed Gilbert Arenas? Ooh. Did they trade for him? No, he was a second round draft pick, and then that's why they had to give him that humongous extension. Because he was, I think he slipped in the second round, and then they had to give him all that money, and then he pooped in somebody's shoe. <laughs> And then it gets worse. And then it's not even as it's not even as funny as pooping in shoes. Right. He didn't kill anyone though, right? He didn't kill anyone, but he brought his uh, so allegedly he brought his gun into the locker room uh, in a argument with Javaris Crittenden, who was at least accused of murder. Yeah, he was in at least. Um had to turn himself in or something. I don't know where that case actually went in. Kind of, you know, sad stuff all around there. Yeah. Um, speaking of sad stuff, uh, the United States men's basketball team had to cancel one of their appearances in the, they're like uh, doing friendlies and stuff. They were going to go to Senegal and they were going to play there. But because of the Ebola outbreak that's happening in West Africa right now, uh, they had to cancel that appearance. Um, I don't really have anything to say about that, but they also played a game in the United States, I believe, in Chicago, if I'm and they played against Brazil. They did. Um, 
Was it Chicago or was it New York? I think it was Chicago because they were saying something about Anthony Davis doing good in his hometown okay. or something. Okay. Um, yeah, they played a they played a good game. Anthony Davis was definitely the star. Um, did you happen to check out? He had something like twenty points and five blocks and ten rebounds or something. Um, did you happen to check out the box score court? I am not gonna lie. I know that I'm a member of a weekly NBA podcast. Okay. I didn't look at the box score okay. for that game. It was kind of hard to find, so uh, it took me probably four more clicks than I expected it would to find it. So, um, but I found it, and there was a player on there that went three for three that we have talked about on this podcast. Joe Harris. No. Okay. That you probably you may not even know he's on the team. I didn't know he was on the team. And let's see. Rudy Gay. He has siblings in the NBA. Yes. He has at least a sibling. In the oh, NBA. wait. Is it? I thought the Plumlee that was on the team was the one in the NBA. There's not two Plumleys. No, there's two Plumleys in the NBA. There's one in the Nets and there's one on the Suns. Yeah, so it's Mason the Mason. the one on the Nets is the one in the game, right? In the on the NBA team. I mean in the on the USA team. Gosh, it's I wish definitely the good one. It's definitely the good one. It's definitely the good one. Mason? Mason and Miles. Mason Plumley. Anyhow, Mason Plumley was three for three with nine points in this game. Yeah, well Coach K is the coach, so of course he's gonna take all those Duke people. Yeah, what and a jerk. Yeah, Mike Scott. <laughs> Should have taken Mike Scott. Would have been not that good of a choice for that team. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Also, just looking at the lineup, it's kind of talk about um, six fouls or whatever. That's Plumlee give you, you know, seven fouls per game. Yeah. Whichever one it is. Yeah. Because Coach K will yell about one of them and get it overturned or something. Yeah. Uh, I was recently describing. Oh, this is kind of a tangent, but I was describing my Settlers or Catan strategy as kind mm. of the Coach K strategy. Okay. Where anytime someone tries to rob me in the game, it. Yeah, everyone knows what Settlers Catan is, so or we'll assume that from the listeners. Anytime someone tries to rob me, if you don't know what the game is, that's just a bad thing, and it's a choice that another player would make. Post in the comments. We'll consider it. And anytime anyone wants to rob me, I complain as much as possible and tell them that they're doing a terrible job and that they are terrible at the game, etc. You know, just really awful stuff. Um, which is pretty much the exact same thing Coach K does to the referees. Like, no matter what the call is, whether it's, like, actually, you know, uh, legitimate against his team or, like, you know, a bad call against his team, he just complains like crazy. And kind of, I, fe I feel like consciously the refs are like, oh, I'm going to not be affected by that. And they, like, consciously try to make, like, calls objectively and whatnot. But I think subconsciously, no matter what, if you're just keeping up that constant stream of, like, almost verbal abuse then it uh, affects people and i think that uh coach k you know also he has the stature and whatnot um of having won a lot of games but i think he like subconsciously affects the refs that way i don't know if he does so that as much when he's the usa basketball coach but in college basketball you can really hear him you know just keeping up the constant constantly wearing down those refs mm. And it's yeah. not just limited to him. Lots of coaches do that. Yeah. Do you think do you think Coach K is a or wheat sheep guy or do you think he's a wood brick guy? Uh I guess wood brick wheat sheep. I'm sorry. I think he's more not a brick guy. That would be a bad that would mm. be a bad thing for a basketball coach. So the or wheat sheep. 
Yeah. Okay. Or we cheap. Okay. Well, I can't. I support that strategy. Um. I like that comparison. I I wonder what basketball coach I would compare to. I what I try to do is I try not to get upset. Even Brett when Brown. When players are making the wrong move in it and it hurts me. But I do sometimes I'll just say like like if someone the wrong person is getting robbed, I'll just declare who I think is in the lead. That's what I'll do. But I try to do it with like a and not to make people feel bad about it. Mm. You know? I think you're like Brett Brown. I think that you keep every time he's you kind of excitable though. He's pretty he's like all fired up. But you keep he's saying also Australian. You're pretty excited about every time you lose in the game you're playing, but uh, you talk about how good you're gonna do next game. Ooh. I like that. That's a good one. The Settlers of Catan draft lottery. Maybe that's mm. maybe that's another podcast. Yeah, well, it it probably should be another podcast, I guess, because some people probably wanted to hear more about NBA stuff, and then they're like, what is this Settlers of Catan game they keep talking about? Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah, so we were talking about uh, Team USA. They've lost, a l- like, they, Kevin Durant left the team. And did we talk? We talked a little bit about that last time, I think. Uh, maybe not that much. Yeah, not that much. So, yeah, he said he was just really tired, which I would probably get that. He plays basketball all the time, you know. That's probably really tiring. Yeah, I, yeah. I get tired when I play basketball, mm-hmm. and I only do it like once a week. Yeah, and it seems like everyone's scared off from that horrific Paul George injury. Um, Still haven't watched it. That's probably a good thing. Don't watch it if you're listening. Um, so yeah, but it'll be actually. I guess it'll make the actual basketball play probably more interesting because we're still almost definitely the best team, but we are not that good like Kenneth Fareed is probably going to play a lot of minutes for us and Mason Plumley might play some minutes for us so that just means that we're not that good mm-hmm. yeah do you think Spain uh, is uh, the next best team yeah definitely seems like Spain Marcus is like probably the second best big man in the tournament behind Anthony Davis right yeah, I think so. I don't know if Powell's playing, but he's also pretty good. And Ibaka. And Ibaka and you know, Rubio the, can at least pass it if he can't shoot it. Yeah, kind of a joker there. But Is it Rudy Fernandez still playing? He probably still plays, right? Yeah, you know, at least some sort of some sort of role on that team, I think. Yeah. He might... I want to say I saw something where he wasn't on their team anymore, mm. but they were moving on to you know more youthful players but they have some of the you know all those guys you always hear about that are like getting drafted and still playing in the spanish league and stuff they have some some talent there yeah i think the abaca you know like picking him up as a national since he immigrated when he was young like i think that makes your team strong to like get the best player from some other country definitely i mean you know he moved when he was what like 11 or something so it's not like it's that unfair or anything like that yeah. or yeah and actually thinking about it now abaca and the gasols they are just that's their big men are just better than our big men yeah on the even if you count anthony davis yeah because yeah. the yeah because they have like two really good ones and we have one really good one yeah and and if pow plays too he's also very good if yeah. not as good as he used to be yeah 
for sure. Man. So moving on to our next topic, um, I guess actually this is, in a sense, probably the biggest news this week was that the Clippers, the sale of the Clippers was finalized to Steve Ballmer, uh, putting an end to kind of crazy couple of months uh, where the former owner, Donald Sterling, was on a video recording saying some pretty racist things. And then he basically got forced out of the NBA. And Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers for like $2 billion. And then it was in court. And now that's final. So that's that's definitely big news. What do you think about that, Court? Developers, developers, developers. Uh, that's what I, I can't not think of that every time I think about Steve Ballmer. Um, it also makes me consider going back into software development. Uh, mm. If I had $2 billion, I probably wouldn't buy the Clippers. What would you buy? for two bil- With my $2 billion? Yes. A lot of stuff. Probably like a bounce house, uh, <laughs> a hot tub. Popcorn machine? A popcorn. No, I don't. Not a, you don't really. I already have one of those little air poppers. Mm. I'm fine with that. Mm. Well, how much do I have left after the bounce house and the uh, hot tub? $1.99 billion. That's still a lot of, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Uh, what else? What, are, what would be some really sweet stuff? You could buy the Zephyrs. Oh, I would rather buy the Zephyrs, mm-hmm. the New Orleans Zephyrs. That's mm-hmm. the, the minor league team. Actually, that could be really fun, just buying any old minor league team, especially if it's in like kind of a small town and just like seeing what you could make out of it you know i would buy one of the teams in a small town and threaten to relocate (laughs) unless they built me a new stadium i like that (laughs) i like that do you think wait do any teams do that threaten that you were going to like seattle or or what's the i guess what's the biggest city without a baseball team oh this is a hard one i was thinking about this the other time montreal well montreal would just kind of be funny yeah montreal that would be funny I, I can't remember which city. Especially if it was like the America's heartland, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've gone to a couple of games in Montreal. Okay. Back when they had the Expos. Okay. I kind of liked it because they said circuit instead of home run. Mm. And they yelled something else. Oh, that's cool. They yelled at the, they yelled at the umps a lot, even though there was only in like French? two. French? Yeah, there were like 2,000 fans there, but they were some pretty rabid fans there some pretty gnarly french canadians okay all right uh you know similarly maybe one of them was symboler he's no he's from toronto but he can go (laughs) to montreal to watch he's not french canadian well i didn't mean that he was french canadian (laughs) yeah he's (laughs) totally like english canadian (laughs) that makes sense because toronto is like yeah come on ray uh Okay, so you're gonna buy a minor league baseball team and relocate it to Montreal. Yeah. How well or threaten, at least threaten to get them to build you a bigger stadium. Right. So yeah, I feel like I wouldn't how much do you think the Zephyrs cost? Less than two billion. So I think uh, so I was actually trying to figure out what the what the Zephyrs actually represented independent of their major league affiliate, which is the Miami Marlins. And I think what it probably is, 
And they might not even own this stadium. Like, Kenner might own the stadium. I think what the Zephyrs probably own is the stadium and, the, like, the like the idea of, like, a minor league team. Because the <laughs> Miami Marlins, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Miami Marlins have all the rights to all the players and the coaches. Like, the platonic ideal of a minor league team? That's owned by the yeah, Zephyrs. Yeah, it's like, well, if they don't have, if they don't own the players. They don't own the players? The Zephyrs don't, no. Like Wait, sports teams don't own the players they have? That's another. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyhow, I, I don't know how much the Zephyrs cost, and I also don't know what they really consist of. I think they probably have some... In all, yeah, obviously they don't own the players. Uh, they probably have some agreement with the city that they have like an exclusive rights to be the minor league team in the metro area or something like yeah. that for yeah. X amount of years, which is pro- X being you know five or something like that. Yes, that sounds right. And then they have you know the all the rights to the logos and stuff. Yeah, you know for perpetual. Yeah. You know, because I know that they are on an agreement. They like lease. They lease the team, essentially, to the Miami Marlins, on like a yearly and like a, you know, contract basis. Yeah, we talked to the dude in Jackson about this. It's like okay. a three-year contract usually, okay. and then they they rotate a lot on some of the teams, and then some of them. Yeah. Yeah, not as much. It would kind of be cool if a different team than the Marlins was in New Orleans. I yeah, no offense to what's his name, Jake whatever mayor's nick yeah mayor's nick he's now on the houston astros yeah n- no offense to him but he, you know it would be cool if it was someone different as the minor league affiliate yeah all right uh steve Ballmer. um he's not donald sterling which is a good thing um we're happy that he's the owner and still not like uh you know not a huge change from status quo in terms of like rich old white guys owning teams, but at yeah. least he's not Donald Sterling. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Let's uh, let's talk about some of Ray's favorite players on All the right. Sixers, including one who was just drafted, and we talked about last week. We now have a feature, which is the tweak, which stands for tweet of the week. Tweak. Oh, the uh, tweak. Court made Joel, that up. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's tweak. Okay. So I don't know the best. Okay. I'm gonna present the end. I'm gonna present the tweets, and then I'm gonna give you a little backstory, which I had to do some intense researching to f- to understand. Okay. So here's this tweet by Joel Embiid. I've been saying that never slide in anyone's DMs. Sorry if it had to be you, Chandler Parsons. These girls ain't loyal. Hashtag weekly tweet. Um, so a couple things here. Actually, okay, so then Chandler Parsons' response is, LOL, don't worry, Rook. Not my first rodeo. And so I didn't really know what this was about. I know that Chandler Parsons is a handsome dude. Um... And then I did some kind of tried to figure out what they were talking about. And it seems like Chandler Parsons had sent a direct message on Twitter to a dancer. 
uh, I suppose trying to make an advance on her. Like modern dance? Uh, yes, modern dance. Um, and she somehow tried to expose him in that, like, I think just by basically saying, hey, look, this basketball player is trying to get romantic with me. I think that's what happened. That was her literal tweet, was he's trying to get romantic with me. <laughs> and then he responded by saying something about her being T-H-O-T, which mm. which Court uh, and I did some research. That means that hoe over there. Mm. Um, so, and I... You know, I don't know if there's any more to say about that, but that's that's what happened. Um, and I guess uh, Joel Embiid thought this was a good opportunity to uh, reiterate his logo, these girls ain't loyal. Um, and I guess this is sort of an example of that if, if, you know, in loyalty in this case would have been represented by not exposing Chandler Parsons for trying to get romantic with you. Man, uh, in some sort of like insane person's reality, maybe that would be true. Well, I mean, if that's your definition of loyalty in this instance, I suppose it applies. I'm not saying that that's a good definition. I think yeah, I think it's a really bad one. <laughs> I I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think that Chandler Parsons is a weirdo. Yeah. No, that sounds right. Um, I still don't really understand exactly what happened, but. Um, maybe to close out the Joel Embiid tweet, uh, Twitter segment, he put a shirtless picture of himself that is like where a basketball and his hand are conveniently covering his nipples. And he just tweeted a picture like that and it said, free the nipples. Free the nipples. And I think that I probably agree with that more than this, you know, these girls ain't loyal. Uh, meme that he's trying to start. So I'm hoping that free the nipples becomes a, you know a meme that kind of you know replaces that. I feel like that's more. I think we can all agree with the free the nipples. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Nobody wants to see basketballs obscuring them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he needs yeah he needs to take a long hard look at who he's retweeting if he's retweeting a guy like Chandler Parsons. Yeah. A long hard look, Joel. <laughs> I mean, whatever. He he can do what he wants, but just yeah. yeah. Stick to the positive. Stick to the free the nipples, Joel. Court, do you have any strategy for your direct messages? Uh I so I made a Twitter. This is my strategy. Make a Twitter account and then hope really hard that someone sends you a direct message. But okay. I, I don't think anyone has so far. Yeah, I don't even know how to check it. I think, is there like... You I have mean, to be an NBA player to get a direct message, it seems like. Yeah. I have gotten at, you know, when somebody does like at you before. Oh, But that's right. not direct because you can see that later as Ray Allen found <laughs> out that one time. Um, speaking of actual unloyalty. Um, yeah, so I don't know about... I'm, Twitter is not my best, as we've gone over before. I think Twitter is not my best social media outlet. 
Um, probably even Pine Foursquare there for me. Mm. Okay. Um, right. Well, we all have our weaknesses. And yeah, Foursquare is mine. I really like checking in places. I don't use Foursquare that much anymore. Um, <laughs> let's see. Speaking of nipples, <laughs> ah. I, s- I saw Greg's nipples <laughs> on <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah, so we were we playing a little pickup basketball game. We're probably we're, so just to preface, this is probably completely uninteresting to anyone that could be listening right now, but we're going to talk about it anyway. We play a little as opposed to the other <laughs> stuff. <laughs> we play a little pickup basketball game on Saturday, and uh, our roommate Greg uh, came in a just a really tight and kind of like tank top that really exposed a lot of like just exposed a lot of man, you know. It, it had a there's a lot of midriff showing. Yeah, there's a lot of chest hair. There was a lot of, um, and this is Greg, who sort of, either in his presence or his absence, like kind of staple on this podcast. He was on the first one. Um, on each of the last two, he hasn't spoken on them, but he's made a smoothie during each. Every podcast. time he comes over and shows us a blender full mm-hmm. of unsmoothified fruit, and he motions at the blender like I'm about to turn on the blender and make some noise. Mm-hmm. What do you want me to do? But we don't really do anything. So then he closes the door of the room, you know, really thoughtfully. Yeah. So that he doesn't make that much. N- you can still kind of hear it, but you, you guys probably can't hear it. We can just hear it. Yeah. The blender going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess if you drink a lot of smoothies, then, you know, some of those gyrations, like I think he might've freed a few nipples <laughs> while he was playing basketball there. I bet he did free some nipples and, I think what maybe Greg is trying to do is tell you, the listeners, that um, if you come and uh, spectate for a live recording of our podcast sometime in the future, that what Greg is going to do is make you a smoothie while you do it. And so I think he's just trying to increase the buzz around the podcast by putting that on the table. Um, Greg always says that the beach is the most sexual place. He does. Or is a sexual place. He, but he said it's yeah, just like overwhelming with like repressed sexuality, I think is what he said. Um wha- now he's trying to make the basketball court is n- is now kind of overwhelming with repressed sexuality. Do you think that he thinks if he brings the sexuality to the basketball court that will like people will you know, need to express their sexuality less on the beach. Do you think that's what he's like trying to create an equilibrium, you know, like saying he understands that this sexuality has to get expressed somewhere. Let's just make it a basketball court and not a beach. I don't think sexuality is a zero sum game. Mm, Okay. I think you just might up the sexuality everywhere. I think Greg lives in a very sexually charged world. (laughs) (laughs) Vocation notwithstanding. Um, But yeah, the basketball court, probably, you know, there's some, some, uh, he would probably be better at talking about this than me, but yeah, well, let's, maybe we should see if he'll, uh, if he'll come on and talk about his outfit for the game. Yeah. We're going to get, we're going to go get Greg. We're going to rip him away from his smoothie Hmm. forcibly. And we're going to, well, we're actually just going to ask him if he wants to come on to this podcast. And, uh, I think there's a 40% chance that he'll say no. Yes. Do you want to bet on whether he's going to be on? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. 
so that we're either going to come back and talk what is so if you think there's a 40 percent chance that he'll come on that means i'll give you three dollars if he comes on and you'll give me two dollars if he doesn't you'll give that me fair? three lacroix and i'll give you two lacroix Okay, I'll take that deal because I'll just take Greg's LaCroix and give it to you. <laughs> Which is actually my LaCroix. <laughs> okay. No, Greg buys these six packs now. Uh, unless he just steals them from you. Well, I brought some up. The Pure's up. No, these this one was lemon. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they, they weren't mine then. Yeah. Unless he stole them. Okay. So either we're going to say goodbye or you're going to hear Greg come on and talk about his tank top. Well, we're going to let you know about the results of this bet. Three to two LaCroix's. Um, no matter what, um, but or maybe you're going to hear Greg in just a little bit. Developers, 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 developers. Uh, we'd like to welcome Greg to the podcast. Uh, I think I owe Ray two Lacroix because uh, I lost the bet. No, wait, Ray owes me. Ray owes me two Lacroix, so I just won the bet that Greg would come on the podcast. Um, so, to, thanks uh, to withering peer pressure. Withering peer pressure. Uh, Greg, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Hello, everybody. Uh, so we were talking about your tank top that you were wearing on Saturday at basketball, and we just were wondering what you were trying to accomplish by wearing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, uh, why, why is it an object of fascination for you in the first place? I'm curious so I can meet your questioning needs. Well, we were thinking about uh, Joel Embiid tweeted recently a picture of him holding basketballs over his nipples, mm. and I'm thinking about nipples. He and from there he had some sort of hashtag free the nipples. Yeah. Um. So that we were wondering. Did you, you know, surmise that perhaps I had seen the same? Possibly. Uh, and, and taken his message to to heart. Yeah. Even though your nipples were not quite free in that tank top uh-huh um but that just got you thinking about nipples and well, it kept uh, me thinking about chest, nipples chests i mean i usually think about nipples uh-huh. i'm not gonna lie yeah um oh so, so you want this wa- well um okay so i guess this i could probably lead in with a little bit of story um on this one was that i was watching an excellent teaching video uh this is something i do uh because i do teach and uh, one of the, the ways that I try to stay professionally sharp is to watch short video clips of other teachers. And in one of these videos that I saw, uh, a teacher, like to, I would say, very successful effect, um, uh, when he was modeling a particular skill, put on a tank top jersey in order to clearly delineate that he was now uh, showing everyone how to do everything um, like and he was wearing the, and he and he he um, he was able to like as he put it on he encouraged incredible applause um, from his class and they really went wild and rather than it being sort of this run-of-the-mill okay the teachers explaining this concept became a very festive joy-filled occasion um, when he threw on this this tank top jersey um, and then like walked around and kind of like tried to pump up the crowd 
um, with, with hand motions and, and facial expressions and so on. Uh, and so I, like one of the things I do a lot is just steal moves from other teachers that I watch on video. And so shortly after watching that, I was like, well, I got to get my own tank tops uh, in my class. Well, tank top. And I, I got on there and I actually found two uh, t tiger tank tops with the Terrytown Tigers. On, and they were so, uh, both of them were so good that uh, they were just, I, like, I couldn't choose between the two of them. So um, I ordered them both. And um, I was like, man, and they came in the, the mail on Friday, this past Friday, and it's like, man, I can't wait to wear these tank tops. But I think what happened is that I really, now that, that I reflect upon it, just couldn't wait to put on a tank top till Monday. And, and sure enough, today I did put it on and got a lot of applause um, when I was modeling how to answer questions. But I think that I was just so amped up about these tank tops that I just, I was taken with the spirit and, and donned one on Saturday in anticipation of today. Wow. Um, which was a little lacrosse tank top, not one of the Terrytown Tiger ones. Tank top is a tank top, you know? Well, you're not going to wear the lacrosse one as part of your lesson. Sure. Okay, two questions here. First, do you think that the, um, the children respond to that because they see you as an athlete and they perceive athletes to be role models? I do, yes, for better or worse better or for worse and that's the source of you know the excitement and the festive atmosphere that you've oh as far as that goes no i think they just want any sort of opportunity to make noise and when act actually given and encouraged to make noise they they readily take it and so i'm assuming you're wearing a t-shirt like underneath or you're sorry not a t-shirt because you're a teacher dress shirt. a dress shirt underneath yeah. probably from costco uh Pre-Costco era. <laughs> Pre-Costco. Yeah. Anyway. Pink stripes. Nice. Uh, the You weren't wearing an undershirt under your tank top at the basketball game. This is correct. I've You've said in the past that the beach is one of the most sexual... I'm going to get it wrong. The beach is a sexual place. Yeah, sexually charged place. Yeah, the beach is a sexually charged place. Atmosphere. Do you think... Do you think that the basketball court became a sexually charged place when you put on that tank top uh, without an undershirt mm. on Saturday? Mm. Uh, became? Became. No. Do you think it, it was already a sexually charged place? Well, you know, this is not... A, I should be asking you this question. What is that supposed to mean? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were there. You you saw it all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was just in it, you know. <laughs> I too was it, I was in the basketball gym. I was in the gym. Yeah. We were both in the gym. Uh, no, I would we say we were that both participants as, and as observers. With matters of sexuality, um, you know, when you're in it, I don't think you can really analyze it. Mm. Um, and so I'm not in a position to, to reflect on, on that even now. Um, if I was, it was acting as a sex symbol um, during Saturday basketball, I was, I was too steeped in it to be aware. <laughs> <laughs> too steeped in his sex, sex symbol status to be aware of it. Yeah. Greg Seaver at basketball. <laughs> um, Ray, do you have any uh, further follow-ups here for Greg? 
I'm a little speechless. I think this was really wonderful. Um, I like how you're using your tank top in class, Greg. I liked how you used it on Saturday on the basketball court. Um, and two very different ways. Two very different ways. Two very different ways, but definitely, you know, get, get folks excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's really, that's really all I have. All right. I have more questions for you. Okay. Fire this away. one, yeah, this one is about your smoothie. What kind of smoothie did you just make? Okay. Um, your, your listeners are aware that at some point during your podcast, I stopped by and held up a blender full of fruits and, and liquids. That's pretty much exactly how I described it earlier. Okay. <laughs> um, glad we're on the same page about sure. that. Um, and, and. I think it's actually a very smooth transition because what is more sexual than fruit? Um, (laughs) (laughs) And La Croix. Um, So blueberries, mangoes, strawberries, pineapple. This is really turning me on right now. (laughs) Plain LaCroix. Oh, man. <laughs> That's okay. We're getting a little excited here. Uh, this is probably the most sexually charged my bedroom has been in a while. Oh, <laughs> um, man. I've definitely now just broken a sweat here. <laughs> um, so the smoothie. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about your thought process when you're like, coming by like when you hold up the blender Mm -hmm. then you like like ask like you kind of like ask with your eyes Mm -hmm. not not whether you want (laughs) to join you know you're asking actually you're about to close the door and go away yeah but you are you asking if we we want you want us to if you we we want the door closed so it's not loud no 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 far from it i think open communication is a, a foundation of any strong relationship and i just wouldn't want you to think that i'm closing the door out of I would w- wouldn't want to send some sort of ambiguous message. I want you to know exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. Okay. Thanks for that. Yeah. That's really uh, nice. Down to the, like, now to the very um, food item that I'm consuming. Yeah, we could even see, yeah, you did it pre Well, obviously you're about to make the noise, so it had to be pre-blended, but we could see every component fruit in there. They were nicely layered. We could see the layer of plain LaCroix. Um yeah, I noticed that you pronounce it LaCroix when you're trying to be um, a little more sensual, mm, sensuous. Yeah, and I, I generally prefer LaCroix. Um, is this, this is a topic of, of debate before on this podcast or, or not? Or we what? haven't talked about the pronunciation okay. of LaCroix well, versus I mean, LaCroix, sparkling would, water. Yeah, I would opine that LaCroix is generally more poetic pronunciation. Dep- yeah, depending on what you're trying to, what what rhythm and what not you need uh no um <laughs> no well sure rhythm but um i just think the assonance of the the la and the qua mm. uh, is just just more pleasing to the ear you can't you can't argue with that unless you don't want the assonance yeah okay um if you're right about that sure nothing yeah nothing about uh, a carbonated beverages that calls for assonance over 
absence of assonance, sure, I would grant you. <laughs> well, get, all right, Ray has something to say about LaCroix here. I just want to say we ought to at least consider absence of assonance as our podcast title. Yeah, that has a really nice assonance. It does. Uh, alliteration. Can, is alliteration still valid with the vowel beginning sounds? Yeah. It's I think so. It's just the letter, right? Yeah, yeah. It has a nice alliteration. Yeah, and it's LaCroix. That's how it's pronounced. An unpoetic declaration from Ray. <laughs> uh, yet commanding in his, uh, you know, his surety there. Um, so, Greg, uh, I think in f- as far as tank tops and smoothies go, mm-hmm. you've really uh, answered all my questions. If, if, y- if you've gotten me a little excited, uh-huh. but, you know, I think that's uh, that was pretty nice of you to come on the podcast. No problem. Um, we look forward to possibly having you as a guest in the future, depending on how well this does for our ratings. Developers, 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 developers. Yes! Uh, we'd like to thank Greg once again for coming on. Thank you, Greg. Um, and talking about all those fruits that he put in his smoothie. Um, and so in light of that, we are proposing a contest for the listener. Yeah. After um, all the comments we had last time, we figured we ought to do something else to get people posting. Um, so what we are suggesting or we are asking is that our listeners a- in our comment that includes a fruit, you know, maybe what they think is the most sexual fruit in a sentence uh, we also encourage you to put LaCroix uh, into that sentence. And we can, we will ask Court, uh, sorry, we'll ask Greg on the next podcast if you will join us. Freudian slip there. To read uh, the sentence uh, that contains both sexual fruit and LaCroix, um, the most sensual submission. That's the one we'll ask him to read. On I just did a bad job explaining that. Basically, write a sentence that includes a fruit and or a LaCroix, or both. That, I think that's what and or means. Oh, man, now I'm doing just as bad a job, even worse job than Ray. Just post something in the comments, and maybe Greg will read it. Fruit and LaCroix should be in it. Yeah, there you and go. it should be sensual. Sensual. Yeah, don't just be like, I ate a banana. Well, that is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so th- that's all the time we've gone way over time tonight. Just all sorts of silly stuff going on this time. It's just really f- weird stuff. Uh, so we're gonna say good night and thanks for listening. Uh, this has been Half Court and Mid Range. That's the name of the podcast. Uh, next week we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Greg reading the sensual fruit comment, and we're gonna have uh, Chase Utley discussing his role on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Thank you all for listening.